Then I realized my Cadillac had been stolen. Oh, my God. Stolen. The police couldn't have cared less. They said my insurance would take care of it. Mm. Frankly, I was getting sick of the color. You know. Now, I'm going to ask you one more time, Richard. Kindly remove your sunglasses. Very well, then. Why don't you tell us about school? Mm. Tell us about school. <laughs> oh, Red, don't smoke. My name is not Richard. Oh, well, th then what is it? Dick. What? Dick. You heard me. Oh, your name is Richard. Sorry, it's Dick. <laughs> well, then, Dick, how is school? It sucks, cock. <laughs> yeah, it does. And what classes are you taking, Dick? Gangbang 101, free base tutorial, and oral sex workshop. <laughs> well, then, how are you liking that, Dick? Are you like? What has happened to you? What do you mean, what has happened to me? What do you think? I can see what that school has done to you. You know, maybe perhaps Paul and I should go no. up the stairs. No. And... no, no, no. Anyone's going to leave this table, it's going to be Richard. It's Dick! All right, leave the table now, Richard. Why? 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 I'm asking you to leave the table. Now. No, 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 no. I will not leave the table, no. Oh, leave the table. Well, fuck you. And fuck you, and fuck you, pretty boy. And fuck you all very much. Oh, I'm out of here. Have a good one.
Well, uh, one of them's not live, but two out of three ain't bad. Hey, Meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. Welcome to the Cinema 9 Podcast. My name is Michael Govier. One of the th- oh, we got an echo right off the bat. I'm one of the three co-hosts of the show. It's me, and it's Travis and Eric. Travis, so, uh, you know, we're talking movies tonight. It's a Thursday night, late June, January. Um, <laughs> what? Garlic. You want to do, uh, do a do-over? Garlic. Yeah, Uh We have we've had some sad news, Travis. So Cloris Leak has passed Lark. on. Uh, Larry Lark. King Lark. died. Uh, yeah, it's tragic. How you doing? You holding up, okay, man? Because it's been a tough week. Oh, I'm actually doing great. I'm 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 doing fantastic. I'm a I'm a happy person. Uh, it's, it's good to see my friends. It's good to have a hobby where I can just bullshit about movies, and then I watch movies, and I think about movies, then I talk about movies some more. I'm doing great. Beautiful. That is the one I'm talking about. You have a very upbeat attitude today. We're looking forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. First time, long time, right? Oh, yeah. uh, always listened, but never phoned in. Finally, finally phoned in. Eric Branstrom, Griffith, Indiana. Give us your best Larry King, Griffith, Indiana. Walla Walla, Washington, you're on the air. I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, it's tragic. Uh, Larry lived Early. a long life, though. And he almost died like five times. I think he actually did die once, and then he survived. I don't know. He had a lot of heart attacks. Farewell, Larry King. But Cloris Leachman was... I really liked her in Beer Fest. You know, she had a late career run in Spanglish and Beer Fest, and she yeah. did so much work. She worked forever, and she lived a long life. So, Young Frankenstein is iconic. Can't not mention that. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. That's and and she was a beauty queen in her in her in her youth, which uh, which really makes sense. You you know, she always she often played kind of like hilarious roles, but she you could tell in her youth she was probably quite striking. Clorox bleach. <laughs> Well, Clorox, 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 Clorox. <laughs> a little pre-show humor. <laughs> Queen comedy. Uh, <laughs> true or false? Cloris Leachman won an Academy Award. True. True. For? Cannot last remember. Show. That is correct. The last, last picture show. show. Eric, you got it right. And an Come echo to boot. Uh, all right. Well done. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> soothing no i know i i only instantly relaxing oddly enjoyable um all right so yeah cloris leachman's past farewell cloris um i actually never saw the last picture show really Um, good maybe somebody will bring that up on the show down the road who knows jeff bridges right yeah yeah all right. Well, this is Cinema 9 Podcast, Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com, Cinema 9 Pod on our Facebook page and our Instagram page and our Twitter page and all the pages of social media that you like to peruse. Gab, Parler, Gab, Robin Gab, Hood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I don't know if we're available on Robin Hood. We may have been suspended, but um, either way, yeah, Robin Hood. We love, you know, we get most of our feedback from people on Robin Hood. So thank you. All of our Robin Hood followers and Parlor. Um, you know, for some reason we're just not big on Parlor, but we'll get there. We'll get there someday. Anywho, I'm excited because. Oh, hey, my Google Home's talking to me. I'm excited because uh, you know we we did the listener selection, which you guys did a great job with. I want to give you guys full credit for doing the listener selection for our, well, which we'll reveal at the end of the show, or should we just tell them now? I mean, we already know what it is. So we'll do it at the end of the show. Like, like All right, we'll do it. If you haven't followed the Facebook page, then you'll find out at the end of the show what next week's listener's choice will be based on the game of listener selection, also known as selection previous days, which uh, was, what, 40? 
different movies that started down to one? We started off with 40 movies that we, uh, wow. as best as we could, kind of recollected being in our friend Jimmy Takis's collection when we were growing up. And, uh, you know, there's, we had a big, big thanks to the probably, I think, five or six regular players that we had. And, uh, and we whittled it down and made a choice. It was pretty, pretty fun. Yay! Well, I gotta say, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not pissed about what was chosen. I'm cool with it. And yeah, I'm uh, happy. I mean, I hope you're all happy. And we're gonna play the game again too. Maybe we'll do it in a different version. Maybe once in a while we'll just do the good old fashioned any listener choice option. But the good news is we have so much to play with. And you know, after doing 43 or so episodes, it's impressive what we built here. We got a nice little Cinema Pod community, Cinema Nine Pod. So thank you for being a part of our community and Godspeed to all of you as life continues to just get better and better. And 2021 is going to be the best year yet. Right, Travis? Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Oh, here you go. This will sum it up real good. Morgan Peak says backo trash. Okay. trash. Good thank point. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Morgan. That makes sense to all of our listeners and they truly appreciate that insight. <laughs> <laughs> A little late on the laugh. Okay, well, why don't we get into our quarantine viewing picks? That's right. It's fun. It's always fun to share what we've been watching and maybe offer you something you haven't seen before, which would ultimately, I think, ultimately be the goal to watch something new. I think uh, we're all guilty here. Maybe me and Travis more than Eric. I don't know, but of watching retreads. Definitely done a lot of that in my life, but watching new films is better in the end. I, I really, I love a comfort film, but I'm, I'm here to learn about more films I haven't seen before I die. So, Travis, I'm hopefully you got some new ones that I haven't seen that you can offer this week. Well, yeah, I'm like you. I mean, I typically used to rewatch the same crap over and over again. And I did rewatch a couple things. I'll talk like I rewatched Kickboxer this week, um, which is crap. But I wanted it. I wanted that crap in that moment, you know. Um, but uh, for the most part, yeah, since we started the pod, I started mostly what I watch is, is stuff that's new to me. And I watch some, some decent stuff that's that I kind of got excited about this, this week. There's a couple, um, you know, as always check out our Instagram page. There's a couple reviews up there from me and Eric. I encourage you to check out. Um, one of the movies I revisited was one I've been meaning to rewatch for a very long time, which is 1973's Soylent Green, which, hey! um, you know, everybody, like, wow. like the most spoiled movie ever. Like even when I was like six or whatever and saw this movie for the first time or maybe even younger, like I was, it's a really, like really far back one for me. Even then, I remember like like my brother told me like in advance, like this is one of the greatest people. Um, but still, this movie does pretty damn well. Like, I'm, and like and as I'm watching it, I'm like, could they could they could they redo this somehow? And still, the answer is no. Like, they just couldn't. But it is an interesting look at the. Um, True, true tribute. That's what I think of when you say Southern Green. Now, I'll always think of that fucking movie. <laughs> Good. Um, um, but I've and, never seen Southern Green. And, and I was whatever I was saying. It's good. So um, <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of buzz about uh, Kong and, and Godzilla. So I checked out Kong Skull Island. What a oh. star-studded movie! This movie, this movie was fun. Um, I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island, I mean, and the cast was great. And uh, I, you know, going in, I've definitely been like thinking, obviously, King Kong's going to kick, or um, Godzilla's going to kick King Kong's ass. But after watching, you know, based on the movies. This King Kong is a way better movie than both the, the last two Godzilla movies. I'll say that right now. Um, wow. Wow. I watched Chaplin from 93, which I'd never hey! seen before. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. I watched that too. This week you did? Yeah, a few days ago. So, for the first time? 
No, no, it's been a long time though. Okay, yeah, it was it was a first for me, and it was definitely, um, you know, I'm really into that era of vaudeville and that kind of stuff. So it was fun seeing like uh, the authenticity that that went into a lot of that filmmaking. I thought that was pretty great, uh, and the performance was was you know, there's a reason why it. Uh, you know, wasn't he nominated for that? I believe. I don't think he won. But, he was. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, there's no yeah. no victory yeah. for that. So, so it's definitely worth Chaplin. Uh, Chaplin had some issues. So. She got <laughs> sure. Great ass. He may have got caught up in some situations that and he shouldn't be proud head. of. And I'm oh, not really a big it? fan of his, but I actually really liked the movie, which is weird because I don't love Chaplin that much, but I like the movie more. Yeah, I don't think you have to like the person to like the movie, you know, I mean, okay. uh, with, in, any, in any given case. I mean, like, you could, like, I don't necessarily love Jimmy Hoffa, but I thought the Irishman was great. So um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Wasn't his daughter, his actual daughter was in that movie, right? Chaplin's daughter or granddaughter played oh, a role yeah, in that film. Yeah, uh, Geraldine Chaplin, his actual daughter, played his yeah. mother in Chaplin. Also was Weird. in Home for the Holidays with him. There you go. Yay. Why that connection happened. Oh, I'm getting an update from my phone right now. Cicely Tyson died at 96 also. Speaking oh, no. of wow. celebrity yeah, yeah. deaths. Let me pull up my Cicely Tyson drop. I watched Dangerous Liaisons from 1988 because I thought oh, it was boy. Days of Innocence and it wasn't. So uh, <laughs> as, as I was watching them, because it's a different Michelle Pfeiffer period piece from the 80s. So, as, so as, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, fucking... Scorsese's really phoning it in on this one. <laughs> uh, anyways, That's early Uma Thurman there, some uh, beautiful I woman. Could, I couldn't really figure out like how anyone could possibly like watch that. Like you know, any of the any like of the supposed characters in the movie could interact with uh, Malkovich and be like, he's a good man. Like he's so like dripping with venom through the whole movie. Like who would yeah. fall for this? Uh, Felipe in Cruel Intentions was a lot more ambiguous about his. Uh, like whether you know believably good even right. though he was rotten at heart anyways he's um, on the surface he's like smooth moves yeah 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 uh, i watched saint elmo's fire which uh as i texted you guys an extremely white movie almost as white as rules of attraction but but very Is it as very white, white as uh dead poet society though uh not as white as dead no nothing <laughs> okay. as society. but i gotta say man saint elmo's fire was really fucking good uh, I don't know why I'd never seen it before. I'm, I'm a fan of many of the actors and the era and those kinds of movies. I don't I don't know why. I think I thought it was a hospital movie, and for some reason I was like, eh, doctors, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Why I didn't watch it. No, it was St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere and St. Elmo's Fire. Exactly totally what you're what doing I did. there. Yeah, uh-huh. since, I was, since, since I was a kid, I confused the two. Wait for Denzel Washington to come on screen, and he wasn't there. What the hell? <laughs> So, uh, but so that was really good. But the, the one I gotta recommend, uh, the big, the big movie I watched. Uh, you know, sometimes you sit down and you watch a movie, and uh, even if it's really hyped up, you know, you can start a movie and be like, "Fuck!" Three minutes in, this is incredible. Like this is this is incredible. And uh, and I did that and felt that way throughout with the Last Black Man in San Francisco from 2019. Uh, now, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Have you guys heard of this? Heard of this movie? You guys I have know? not. You guys, okay, so I'm a little surprised because it, it actually got a ton of buzz in 2019, a lot of Oscar buzz. Uh, didn't get nominated for anything, but it was it was on a lot of uh, people's uh, best of list that year, which is why I think I had heard of it. Uh, it's I believe it's on Prime right now. This movie is 
out fucking standing. Now, Jonathan Majors has been making a lot of splashes lately, and rightly rightly so. He's doing really good work in, uh, you know, in the Five Bloods and then everything he's been in, but he's, he's, he's incredible in this. And it's based on the true life story of uh, the lead actor, Jimmy Fails, who also is outstanding. But um, the director, Joe Talbot, like this is this is a this is a his debut feature. And this is like some of the I mean, like this is this direction is I mean, this is fucking outstanding direction. I mean, it just looks gorgeous. Every shot. I mean, like, like as I was watching, and I don't want to like overhype it, but as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself like. I'm think I was thinking a lot of uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is another great movie from the same year. Which every every shot just a, like it could be a painting, you know. Um, so if you guys haven't seen uh, the the, the last man, excuse me, the last black man in San Francisco, definitely check that out. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I I haven't heard that at all, but that's a nope, really nope. really strong recommendation. So I'm. I'm going to move that up the chain. Where did you uh, watch that? Is it available on a streaming service? I'm pretty sure it's on. I think I watched it on Prime. Prime. Okay, cool. Well, then, uh, uh, is it better than... Um, uh, just forget it. Let's just leave it. <laughs> Why okay. compare the two, Mike? Oh, no, you're right. I'm going to check it out. Uh, that was a strong recommendation. I don't always get moved by our recommendations, but that one moved me. So I'm excited for that. All right. Eric Brandstrom, you've had a chance to, uh, you know, enjoy your week. Have a good one. But now it's time for you to break it down. Give us your recommendations and your review and your echo for this week. Because you can hear it. Um, Travis, I took you up on Thunder Road from 2018, the Jim, Jim Cummings film. What do you think? Um, so I sat down with uh, Ange and uh, her aunt. We all sat down, watched it. I'm like, here we go. Great recommendation comes in. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. The story beats I liked, like the story I was very interested in. I liked the narrative. I found the char- like the main character to be so fucking irritating that I almost had to suggest we, we shut it off. I don't understand what is going on with this guy. I'm hoping you can like. It- I think that I just should stop talking because everything's echoing. Oh. <laughs> I think that um, I should probably stop recommending movies because pretty much every movie I recommend to you, you fucking hate. I think that there's a whole thing going on here, uh, when it, and not just with you, but in life in general with all human beings. When it comes to expectations and the power of expectations, if you had stumbled across any movie I recommend to you on your own, I think you'd like it. But you pretty much just like my octopus teacher and hated every other movie I recommended to you since we started this podcast. Okay. I'm not mad about it. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think that like your expectations, because I'd say, Hey, it's good. You're like, this is going to be incredible. And then it doesn't blow your mind. You're like, what the fuck? So you should probably just stop listening when I give my, <laughs> my quarantine viewing picks. <laughs> Other than that, I watched a lot of deadliest catch on uh, the discovery channel. The show is ridiculous, but I cannot stop watching it. I can't explain myself. The same thing happens over and over again, they pull up these pots. There's either crabs in them or there's not crabs in them. And yet I've watched like five seasons in like one week. Have no explanation. Um, took a look at this movie from 2018 called The Mountain. It's on Hulu. It stars. Okay, so I'm scrolling through Hulu and I, and I read this uh, synopsis. And Jeff Goldblum plays a lobotomist in the 1950s. And I watch the preview and I stop and I say, Christ, 
this is what I've been waiting for for like 10, 15 years for Jeff Goldblum just to kind of play like a regular person and not like these, you know, I love Jeff Goldblum as much as the next guy, but he's in this weird route where he's just this cartoon. And like I couldn't remember the last time I just saw him play a kind of a straight character because I used to love uh, some of her stuff back in the day. Uh, Ty Sheridan co-stars uh, as this young kid who joins him as his like staff photographer. It's really fucking weird and interesting, well-directed. It's from the guy who made two movies that people fucking hate, Entertainment and The Comedy. These movies like fucking are vified by the film community, so I might be inclined to see them because I, I dug them out, and it's slow as fuck. I almost felt like I had been given a lobotomy halfway through the runtime because it's so goddamn slow. But it is, um, it's a, it, it's really fucking interesting look at, you know, fucking weird medicine in the 50s that frankly has gone by the wayside but check that out um i also watched chaplin that's the thing about biopics you know some biopics they, they take a they, they, biopics they do this moment in the life of chaplin's your classic like cradle to the grave so gear up we're going from when he's a kid to when he's the old man you gotta stuff everything in there but I think Richard Attenborough pulls it off. There's so many awesome, fun cameos. Marissa Tomei is so good. Mila Jovovich. Kevin Klein, our old buddy. Hey! Yep, yep. Zach Morris good- is trash. Whoops, I did not mean to do that. <laughs> That's not fit love, at all. I love, yeah, <laughs> I love Kevin Klein, though. I'm with Travis. Kevin Klein's great all day, every day. My big recommendation is from 2018. It's called The Lie, starring uh, Peter Sarsgaard. I've always been kind of on the fence about something about that guy weird, like really creeps me out sometimes to the point where I can't even watch his movies because I just get really weirded out. You know how John Malkovich weirds you out, but like, you're like, ah, good old Malkovich. Pierce Sarsgaard, I don't know. Maybe I knew him in a past life because he's always just kind of weirded me out. He's fucking awesome in this movie. It's a, it's a great mystery thriller from uh, Blumhouse Studios. And they make a big deal out of it being like, is like Blumhouse presents, like you see recently. So I was like, oh, here we go. Jumping on the Blumhouse, like cash cow, like churn him out there. Put his name on there and just churn him out so we can make money. But it's fucking really good. Even Joey King is good. And Joey King has been horrible in a lot of movies. I'm not sure that anyone, I mean, I'm not sure anyone's thinking, hey, we need to make this into a cash cow. Let's let's slap, let's slap <laughs> Peter Skarsgård's name on it. <laughs> That's true. But I'm yeah. so glad he's in yeah. the Batman yeah. now. It's fucking great. Wow. What about... Stellan Skarsgård. I love the other Skarsgård. I love Stellan Skarsgård. Sean, oh, the Fields medal. You can have it. Well, yeah, Peter's not related to any of them, though. No. I know, but I just prefer my original Skarsgård. It'll always be my Skarsgård. Other than that, I watched the Royal Rumble from 1992 and 1993 on YouTube. It was a lot hey! of fun, Michael. It's a total debacle. Hold on. All right. All right. Well, that's fun, Eric. I'm glad that you're watching these bozo... You know, wrestling trash and some yeah. shitty TV. It's good, you know. Sometimes you gotta watch shitty TV. I'm I'll be back. I've done it in my life. I don't watch much shitty TV anymore. That's why I put on kickboxer. <laughs> I you know, you, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I knew it was either hot shots or kickboxer, because we watched kickboxer in my house growing I up. Like, hot shots part do. He, they're, yeah. saying, they're saying saw that because I sent them an image of the of the of the hands being dipped in the broken glass. Yeah. The yeah, that, I mean <laughs> I I loved it. I, I totally loved it. And kickboxer Dodson. is a film. Dodson, it, we've got Dodson here. No, shut up. What the fuck is wrong with this thing? I love kickboxer so much because it's so simple and it's yeah. just lame and dumb and, and we were kids and right. it's a perfect like, hey, I'm 12 years old film. 
my brothers a, used to do karate dumb shit all day to that. It, it's a perfect. This is my older brother who speaks flawless English. I have a Belgian accent. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you don't fuck with uh, Bo Paul or whatever the fuck his name is. That guy's fucking uh, hardcore. Yeah. Kung Bo, Bo, I don't know. Yeah, he's very something though. for sure. Uh, and he, I believe it's and, Bo and, Paul. And the weirdest thing is that that dude is a real dude that he used his real name in the movie. And like, like, I guess to like spread his fame or whatever, but like, did he, like, he plays a fucking rapist, like, and like, a, he's a villain. Like, why would you want your real name? You put, you're playing yourself. What the f- Maybe that says something about him personally. Mm, I'm sure he's a bad person. Even notice it. Yeah. I mean, he, he kicks fucking ass in real life too. So he probably with a lot of testosterone that he might've made some mistakes with. Uh, we can't prove that. That's hearsay for the record. Uh, don't sue us, Bo Paul, if you're still alive. So. Yeah, sue the guy from, sue Ed from live for stealing your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. Well, what did I watch this week? Boy, I watched some Bozo stuff. I wish I'd watched a Van Damme movie. I would have would have liked to watch maybe uh, Hard Lion Target. Up. Hard Target. That's Steven Seagal. Not hard about Van Damme, John Woo, man, great movie. No, there's two. Okay, so there's Hard Target, and there's Hard to Kill. Oh, That's, yeah, hard hard to kill. kill. all the time. Yeah, so every, good. yeah. my good. bad, my bad. You're right, you're right, Eric. But I always fuck that up. You yeah. are right. Hard to Kill is the one where he goes into a coma and then he comes back. You can take that to the <laughs> bank, 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 yeah. bank. Perhaps the best of the Seagal movies. It's up there. Maybe uh, Above the Law is not bad, but you know, Mark for Death. Them. Mark for Death is decent, you know. But those are the the, the holy three right there. Out for Justice. Yeah. That's it. That's like the last call. Oh. Yeah. Off for oh. justice. Oh, don't forget raw justice with Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw that one. I've brought up raw justice on the show before. Um, All right. Well, I guess we got to guys... add that to the list of the shit movies. Oh, Steve Laskowski's here. Green explosions. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Steve. Yeah. That was knockoff, Steve. In joke. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so I watched my notary report. I hadn't watched it in years. And, uh, I, I just thought it was fucking lame. I was not into <laughs> it at all. And I remember liking it when it came out, but sure. I'm just like, okay, here it is. And the, oh, yep, there that happens. Oh, here's Mike Binder. Yeah. Oh, kill me, kill me. Oh, he's not going to do it. Oh, he is going to do it. I was just like, I didn't give a fuck. I was so turned off by oh, it. Oh, man. And I was surprised how like um, angrily I was responding to this film. Yes, it was terrible. Oh, thanks, Steve, for validating my opinions. I appreciate that. Steve Laskowski verifies that my report sucks. So good. Well, I loved it, Eric, when I was younger. I don't know. Something's changed. It peters out like like after the Leonard Crow stuff, and then you got to deal with like Max von Sydow being like the real guy. It's like, after yes. that, I'm like oh, it's over. It's over. Just yes. I think that's kind of the beef there. It's like, all right, can we wrap this thing up? Yeah. Maybe uh, take 15 minutes off this. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Tom Cruise is always great. He did a great job. And everybody who's in it is outstanding. I forgot. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot that fucking uh, Farrell was in it. That was like one of the early oh, first roles I remember seeing him in. Made off Tigerland. He was hot, man. 2002. You kidding me? Uh, what was it? 88 minutes or phone booth? Phone booth, man. <laughs> <laughs> phone booth. Joe Schumacher. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Oh, Joe Schumacher. Uh, why were we ripping on him? Because you watched. Uh, didn't you? Wa- oh, you watched no, St. Almost, Almost Fire. Right. Right. Such a and, fucking weird movie, St. Almost Fire, because. Did it come out in, I think it actually may have come out in 85, the same year as The Breakfast Club. So you go from these kids, like the same people being like 17-year-old kids in high school, to all of a sudden they have like 
real jobs in the real world with real problems. It's like, oh, you know, like, I mean, it's actually more age appropriate because they're, they're they're all playing like what twenty six to twenty eight year olds, yeah. I would guess, and that's probably about how old they actually were. That's true. Yeah. But I like well, the I like the uh, arc. I mean, there's a whole like a very like deliberate arc in that movie, in terms of like you know that these characters change. Like you like you you really go th- go through a lot with them. I thought that was pretty cool. And Joel Schumacher writes. I mean, I told you on text. This guy does not get enough credit. He also wrote Car Wash, if you'll remember from uh, late seventies. Really? It's Dick. Yeah. Car Wash, trash. That's some 70s trash. But, you know, sometimes it's like a dumb movie that you'll watch for the fuck of it. Anywho, uh, I also watched Mississippi Burning, and I'd never seen Mississippi Burning, and I couldn't finish it. Uh, I've watched a lot of movies about painful topics. Like, I love them. In fact, I almost have revel in them at times quite, you know, disgustingly. But uh, this one was just so intensely harsh and so constantly in your face with this evil awful they made mississippi look you know i don't think it's far off from the truth at all first off but uh it was so grotesque and just a consistent sort of cruel violence from the locals in this film and willem dafoe and gene hackman are running around trying to find it they don't ever say it in the film but it's medgar evers murder and um they say they're looking for these three freedom fighters but they never say his name which is interesting um but I don't know. I just stopped watching it just because it's not the movie that sucks. I just couldn't handle it. I turned. I'm like, I don't want to feel like this right now. So. I've been I've been showing um, uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr.'s uh, Reconstruction documentary. It's like a four hour documentary Reconstruction to my students th- this week, and it's just so I'm showing it to, like to two different classes. So I'm just like, yep, every day here, here it is. Just the worst <laughs> moments of American history. Just soak it in. Just soak it in. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm familiar with it. I. I've seen it all. I mean, I haven't lived it. I've seen it in documentary form and I, we live in a world of racism still, not personally necessarily, but we've seen it in Twitter and all across the politics and yada, yada, yada. And for some yeah. reason I just had to turn this off. I just was like, you know what? I, if I can choose to maybe not feel like this for a little while, I'm going to turn. Well, you know, the world has been, you know, America in particular has been so benighted lately with so much like trouble and issues. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of what we do when it comes to movies is, escapism so maybe that's just wasn't what you needed in that moment which you know maybe you'll i, I imagine you'll go back to finish it i've never seen it either but it's supposed to be pretty classic it uh, is but, uh, i mean I let's, you know, like I, like i've been meaning to watch the, the killing fields for about 20 30 years but like oh i did when, that last year when yeah. you in the mood for that i know you're right but i did it last year because i was ready so i guess it's just your time it's yeah. just sean it's just my time it's just my time Anywho, no, 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 no. I will not leave the podcast. No, 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 no. All right. I also watch Roman J. Israel. Anybody seen Roman yeah, J? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Never heard of it. Uh, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. Well, he got a little bit of a fro going on, and he's a he's a savant lawyer. Yeah. What'd you think of it, Eric? So it's Dan Gilroy's follow-up to Nightcrawler. So, like, all eyes were on this this filmmaker for his sophomore effort. Um, I enjoyed it as a character piece. Haven't really thought about it since I saw it a couple years ago. Yeah, I think that's cool. It's trying. Colin Farrell's in that one too. Uh, he shows up again. They're trying to say something with this film, and he got nominated for Academy Award nomination for Best Actor, which is actually well deserved. Uh, he's outstanding. Denzel Washington kills it in this role again. Uh, but the film itself is kind of blah. So so. I, I kind of want to recommend it because it has a lot to say about 
you know, the system, the current system of plea bargainings and nothing ever goes to trial anymore and all these people get caught up in it. So it has a message that they were trying to do something with. I just don't know if it got a little sidetracked by some of the side plots, maybe. And I'll leave it at that. And uh, I watched Tropic Thunder, which was really funny because I hadn't watched it in years. And then when it's towards the end of the movie, and he's yeah. like, me? I know who I, know I, who I, am. I am. I was like, oh, shit. It like, it was so yeah. weird to hear out of the context of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's utterly changed that movie for me. The same thing when I watched it last year. <laughs> it was so bizarre, man. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, that doesn't fit. Where's the song? Where's the background? <laughs> Oh, so that was fun. that's pretty much it. It was kind of a later week. Uh, I, I actually, uh, I finished Captain Fantastic. I had watched three quarters of it and I didn't finish it, but I finally finished it. And uh, I'd seen it before, but it's really just such a great movie. It has so much to say. In fact, I would, I don't know, I might want to bring it back around. It's five years old now, so I don't know. Is there a five-year minimum? Is that the rules? Yeah, on the show? Rule. Yeah. Yeah. Beagle's great. And yeah. Frank Langella, anytime he's on screen, he's generally outstanding as well. So kudos to all you. Kudos to everybody who watches movies. Woohoo! Woo <laughs> all right. Eric, don't Eric, why didn't you woohoo? Well, there's a pile. Come on, man. My name is not Richard. Well, then what is it? Wait for it. Dick. What? Dick. You heard me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's no. right. Oh, Your she's name is Richard. Sorry, it's Dick. <laughs> oh, okay. There it is. All right. I didn't know what it ended. That's right. Uh, it's time to talk about the rules of attraction. That's this oh, week's man. focus. Uh, I chose this film, so I'm guilty as charged. Um, you know. I'll take responsibility for whatever anybody's feelings are in the end on this. <laughs> uh, don't forget, cinnamon9pod, protonmail.com. Send us your emails, your thoughts, or you can DM us on our Facebook page. We're very active on there and, of course, on the Instagram area. If you want to throw out a movie, future suggestions, did you watch this film and have comments on it, please let us know. more engagement we get, the more interesting the show is. Otherwise, you're just going to hear the three of us talk for an hour and a half, and that's just how it's going to be. All right. You want some coke? <clears throat> sure. Then buy some of your own, bitch. Get the fuck out of my crib and get me my money. It's an orgy night at Booth House. It's going for a bunch of freshmen. They're rich, they want cocaine, they'll pay a premium to get it. What do you think? I think you're a rich motherfucking motherfucker who owes me a fucking shitload of motherfucking cash. That's what I think, you rich motherfucking motherfucker. You want some blow, motherfucker? You bring me my motherfucking cash, motherfucker. Fuck you. Jesus fucking Christ, Rupert. Don't get so tense. I show you tense, motherfucker. You're into me for a fuckload of money. And I think you and your motherfucking rich kid friends are going to take off to all your rich ass motherfucking lives, leaving me holding my motherfucking dick. So fuck you. Fucking Rupert, fucking A, man. I'm not like those rich assholes, dude. I'm on financial aid, man. I have to work for a living. I'm from a fucking farm in Nebraska, for Christ's sake. My family had to sell the fucking cow to get me here, man. I'm working in food service. Bullshit! My father's in the hospital, okay? I. My family's strapped for cash. I might have to drop out. Really? The Lord is my witness, yes. You really don't have any fucking cash. No, I had to work all summer just to pay for this term. Travis Roy.
It's 2002. The rules of attraction have come out. You're excited. You're, you're thrilled because American Psycho was a huge hit. Plus, you're kind of a Brett Easton Ellis fan. So you're really excited to see what they're going to do next with his material and uh, what happens. And I see it on video. I, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Brett Easton Ellis okay. I've read a couple of his books. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call myself like a fan. Um, and uh, so I, I, I was like interested in the movie, of course, because of American Psycho. I like it's still one of the only James Vanderbeek movies I've ever seen. Like I never watched Austin's <laughs> Creek. See Varsity um, Blues. I saw Varsity Blues. Playing football. I'm pretty sure that's it. So, so I, so I, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's, he's not, not even really in there. Yeah, he's not really in there. So, like, so uh, um, that's really it's like my main exposure to him. Um, but this is a movie that I saw when it came out on video because I worked at Blockbuster when it came out, and uh, yeah, man, uh, latched on. Like, definitely, this was one. I mean, this was one that I watched the fuck out of that um, I emulated in the wrong places in some ways. Um, <laughs> and some of the okay ones, I think. Um, but uh, I, yeah, this movie, I, I really liked it. And uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't watched it in a long time because I suspected that it wouldn't hold up that great. Um, so, uh, so when you announced it, I was interested to watch it again because it had been kind of in the back of my mind for a while, I guess. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I mean, it, it was uh, somewhat of a success. It's also directed by Roger Avery, and uh, we hadn't seen what was his previous movie to this? Was it really? This I mean, is, Killing Zoe and Killing Pulp Fiction Zoe, are what we know him for. Killing Zoe is the only thing he directed before this. This is his follow up to Killing Zoe, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay, I just wanted to verify. Yeah, so Eric, uh, you know, I'm sure you were a huge Killing Zoe fan, and. You love Pulp Fiction growing up, and you knew that Roger Avery had a hand in it in some fashion. So you must have been excited for Rules of Attraction when it came out, and you went on that first date. <laughs> <laughs> it was clearly one of the most uncomfortable uh, dates you could ever possibly imagine. Just think about one out of like the 50 horrifically disgusting things that happens in this movie, and then imagine being like right next to someone that you're hoping to develop a meaning relief, meaningful relationship with. Uh, it was a tough watch, but... <laughs> Uh, I was a huge American Psycho fan, like huge. So, it, um, and I read the book to this beforehand because I was psyching myself up. Uh, so I was also interested to see how the adaptation would go because so much of the book is, oh, you want to talk about our American Psycho, even more so than that film. That's the, American Psycho, the novel is like all in Jason Bateman's head for, from his perspective. But right. the Rules of Attraction book, th we, we go into like five, six people's heads exclusively. So I was like, how the fuck are they going to, to film all this, it's one of those impossible, you'll never see it uh, movie translations. So, and yet, uh, Ellis said that it was the best, says it's the best translation of any of his books. He really does. And, um, you know, I'll let you know if I agree or not. But after that, I watched it multiple times over and over again. You couldn't walk anywhere in 2002 without seeing that asshole at a party with a peacock jacket and a bottle of fucking Jack Daniels in his hand. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, yeah. Old Crow, yeah. JT, come on now. Dude, we all started uh, wearing aviators after after Dick did. <laughs> Fact. Uh, well, I didn't have a pair. I'm just going to say I didn't. Oh, everybody but you, Mike. Yeah, I win. All right. Uh, I saw this movie in DVD form, you know, when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. But uh, once it came on DVD and 
I got to watch it over and over again. I, I was so into it. I watched it at the dump when we lived there and it was on DVD. And I was like, wow, this is right up my alley and my oh, age. My and yeah, sure it was. Uh, hell, you might have brought it back from Blockbuster. Who knows? You brought a lot of shit back. I, yeah, I bought a used, you know, I bought a used copy. Uh, oh, oh idiot. Never mind. I don't say that. Dan Plummer's here. He said Killing oh. Zoe was on that VHS that Travis came. I taped no over. Way. That's where my Killing Zoe tape went, huh? I mean, yeah, I remember having that movie yeah. and then not having it. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Mixtape lives double, on. Double feature. <laughs> but yeah, I. I was 22 years old, 21, going on 22, 23. And I was like, this is right up my alley. It made a lot of sense to me at the time. Uh, I thought it was clever. And I thought the way that it was done was really unique. And Roger Avery's direction was, you know, the backwards shit, you know, which we'll talk more about. I, at the time, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. wow that's cool. And um, I guess all the egotistical characters involved in their selfish, absorbed worlds I was interested in, oddly enough. Somehow they lured me into that, and I enjoyed it. And I I quoted it, and of course, yes, Dick, you know, that scene and that guy will always live on to this day. It's still just so goddamn funny. I mean, he shows up, and he blows it out of the park, and then he leaves, and that's... <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's it's uh, it's amazing to me. The, the actor's name is Russell Sams. He hasn't done much before or since. And he blows into this movie with a huge cast with Faye Dunaway and Swoosie Kurtz. Who? Who are the who? Because there's no one else in the fucking movie. It's all just dick. I mean, this guy, like, he doesn't just steal the scene. He literally steals the whole fucking movie. He's. He took a. It looks like he's back acting again. Like he took a break, yeah, he still but works. he's busy now in 2020 again. So, That's good. which is good for you, Mr. Sams. We salute you. You stole the show in this film, and that will always be the case, no matter what the result of the holding up or not. Never so, gets old. It never gets old. It doesn't. It's just it's quite it's a scene. So we got a great cast of characters, like you said, Ian Summerhalder and Vanderbeek and Kate Bosworth, Shannon Sussman. And uh, Jessica Biel, too. And by the way, this was a big change for Jessica Biel. This was like switching gears for her because Seventh yeah. Heaven was what everybody <laughs> knew her for. And she just totally flipped it upside down with this film. And and same same with Vanderbeek. I mean, Vanderbeek had literally True. only done Dawson's Creek before this. And then he did this role and said later that he had to get, uh, do therapy after this this performance because it fucked him up so bad. Hmm. Maybe Which, take your job a little too seriously, James. Uh, just saying. But. I, you know. I, I, I mean, I've seen the movie. I'm not really, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anybody know the score? Did you guys look it up? Spoilers? Uh, it's. I didn't look, but it's an extremely divisive movie. So I would expect like in the fives, like I'm going to say 5.6. 5. 5.6. 5. I'll say maybe, yeah, I totally agree. I'll, I'll say maybe 6.4. 6. 6.7, almost creeping up to a seven. That's so awesome. that's, high. Oh, that's, that's, that's higher than that's that's uh, low uh, ratings, rate. though. Only 49,000 have checked in on that. So it's not a huge swath of what you would consider, you know, hey, we got the, I think we got the pulse of the nation on this one. I wouldn't say that necessarily. But you're right. It is a divisive film. And when it comes to critics in this film, I think there is a, another wide gap of different types of opinions <laughs> for many different reasons. Yeah. Can I read one real quick that I stumbled across before you please, get into yours? Please do. I stumbled across. There's a site called, I'd like to, I'm going to plug, plugged in, which is Focus on the Families, uh, Dr. James Dobson. Oh, okay. uh, they reviewed this movie. Guess what? They didn't like it. 
Oh. They said, it wasn't James Dobson himself, but some other bozo who says, on rare occasions, there's a picture so vile that it leaves me feeling at my very core, severely cheapened for having seen it. The Rules of Attraction is such a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. James Dobson for Focus on the Family. Yeah, sorry, James. We let you down, or they let you down. Even though uh, you're famous for being Ted Bundy's last interview, where you openly engage with him cordially, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, give you this one. Hey, Ted. Hey, it's all about porn. It was porn that did it, right, Ted? It was porn, right? It wasn't you, right? Right? <laughs> it was porn. It was porn. It was porn. So, forty-three percent from the critics. That's the lowest score I think we've ever. Is it that the lowest score we've had on the show? It's got to be one of the lowest. Lower Which than Margot. With the, lower than Margot at the wedding. Oh, I'll double check, but I think so. Um, 43 is, if it's not Margo, it's one of the lowest rated uh, movies that we've had because I can't see many. I ex- Oh, 52% for Margo. So yes, wow. lower than Margo at the wedding. Oh, look, look, look. <laughs> this is a movie that starts with the rape. So you're going to have, I mean, like people are going to have reactions to it and who could fucking blame them? No, that's fair to say. And plus... The way her dialogue, we, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, it's very, very bizarre. Uh, Peter Travers, you know, a well-known critic of Rolling Stone. Alice's satire filtered through Avery's harsh lens is hard to stomach, harder to ignore. Is that true? Wow. <laughs> Peter. Brent Simon from Entertainment Today. Avery's indefatigable. Indefatigable. What does Inde- that mean? Indefatigable, uh, unable to be fatigued. Wow. <laughs> Avery's indefatigable, indefatigable movie has a bristling intellectual spirit and a consistency of tone and performance, yet it never amounts to much more than the stylistic repetition of the same joke slash point. Uh, here's a female perspective, Neil Manow of Movie Mom. She's, I don't know if you guys know Movie, movie Mom. Mom. Movie Mom. Uh, it's a top- family. Seven hundred club. <laughs> He's a, I was trying to just get a female perspective, but Neil Manow of Movie Mom says an empty tale. Period. That's it. All right. Well, an empty tale. That'll be five hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Submitted that to my editor. Five hundred dollars. Thank you. Give me money. Richard Roper said, "I hated this movie." Period. <laughs> We got a lot of one-sentence reviews on this one. Jesus. Earning your keep, Richard. <laughs> uh, here it is. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Tessin Thompson has reviewed this film. On October 11th, 2002, the year this movie came out, wow. he said, oddly compelling. <laughs> oh, <Tessin>. strikes again. <laughs> oddly. Oddly. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, that's a fresh tomato, though. That's uh, one of the minority amounts of fresh tomatoes on this. Overwhelmingly negative reviews. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, so this guy says, uh, some taste fine, Tarantino childish, tasteless, and derivative, but the core humanity of his work and a trait that Killing Zoe shared is utterly absent here. It's interesting that the, like the age dynamics really struck me on this recent viewing because I, I literally stopped there and said, Christ. I'm fucking 40 years old now, and I feel so much differently about this than I did if I were to review it in 2002. And I was surprised because in 2002, I watched it over and over again because I loved the fucking soundtrack because it's amazing and the camera work. The story always disgusted me and made me feel weird. But 
as I watch it as a, an adult, I, I, how am I going to word this? I don't know how to word this, but <laughs> I, can, I can appreciate it on so many more levels than I did when I was a kid. And it seems like it was meant for a, a younger target audience. Whereas I see, I, I'm surprised that these older critics didn't appreciate it way more than the younger people. Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good point, Eric. Hmm. Um, for me, I will say this. Um, I, to me, this movie has always been a movie that one scene defines it for me. And that is uh, James Vanderbeek wiping his ass and checking the shit on his paper to see how his doo-doo is doing. Um, that, like that moment in the, like, this is, this is the kind of movie that we're watching. And if those kind of little details don't appeal to you, then you might not be into this movie. <laughs> but like, funny. This, this is the kind of intimacy. This is how intimate we're going to get in this fucking movie with these characters. Like, what? hold on. Yeah. Now that, uh, now that our screens are so big, you get the added advantage of being able to, being able to look at James Vanderbeek wiping his ass or Shannon Sossaman's beautiful face. Where did you look? I uh, definitely looked at him screen. wiping his ass. Oh yeah, I was watching no, no, the no, no, no. ass. I, mean, I always oh, did. Okay. And the oh, fact that he does is a it's a double take too. It's not just one. He does two wipes and no, no, two looks. The first wasn't clear, so we had to go back. While uh, the little ditty, you know, this is the kind of insight people tune in for, right? Lovely little, yeah, it's a lovely little song. Yellow is the color. Yeah, so uh, the soundtrack. I think we all agree we love the soundtrack. Oh yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay, so let's just close that. Except except for the Tom and Andy shit. I don't like the. I don't like the big band, like uh, classical music, uh, techno Tom and Andy remixes. Except for when, except for when they remix uh, the intro that like and reverse it to the Raptures uh, out of the races and out of the tracks. That fucking is so awesome. So fucking good. so cool. It's so good. Yeah, it's really cool. But uh, but but yeah, like there's a lot of like big band like you know like I'm like this is fucking this is this is awful. <laughs> uh, Steve Vyskowski is checking in. Uh, you can always watch our live stream every Thursday night if you choose to. But if you're listening to the podcast, we love you just as much, if not more. Steve says the rules of attraction is a skillfully made movie about reprehensible people. That's from Roger Ebert. Wow, which, yeah, it is. It's a skillfully made film, technically sound, right? I mean, let's talk. Can we just talk about that? The you know the backwards uh, effort here to replay things, and then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, you know it it doesn't go the way that it starts at the beginning of the film either. Which I don't need. I don't care about that at the moment. But what did you guys make of it? Were you impressed? You remember being impressed at the time? Like, wow, this is pretty cool with this reversing and the keg filling back up with ice and all that shit. And it looked pretty flawless. It still looks flawless today. But, I mean, is this like I, memento shit? Who gives a no, fuck? No, I used, I used to think it was style over substance. And because I was 22, I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome, man. I want to go to film school so bad. But now I kind of see the layers of it, like I was trying to talk about earlier. It immediately puts you at unease and says, hey, if you think this is fucking road trip, think again or get the fuck out of here because this is going to make you feel fucking weird, just like this backward shit makes you. And the characters talk constantly about having no forward momentum. So you put two and two together and it gives you a good idea thematically what you're in for. Yeah, and audio also, it really, like, it's not just the visual, it's the audio that's reversed and everything. It's it's yeah. just, it's very extra jarring. I, I, I do think that um, it maybe gets a little overplayed. Um, and I also think there are moments, like, especially in the very, like, opening credits where I was like, wow, they really, they maybe put too much work into this. Like, how long were they... <laughs> How long were they filming this piece of ground waiting for a, a leaf to land here? Uh, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, th this is the movie's famous for being one of the first that's edited on Final Cut Pro. It's famous um, for being all shot on DV, and uh, like it, uh, or I believe it's all shot on DV. At least much of it is, and um, and it looks great. It looks good. Um, so yeah, I'm all, <laughs> I'm all right with that. Still okay. Not yeah, my favorite. So I, you know, I used to be like, wow, that was a, you know, an impressive, skillfully, technically sound done thing that Roger Avery did with his crew. Cool. But I, I remember like, I didn't really give a shit about that as much when I was big time into the film. I was more interested in the characters and what's going on with them. Uh, I mean, to see a guy's puke in reverse off a woman's back that he's raping. I mean, is that so that's, that's not yeah. that, that scene like big points to, like no points added to the movie for that the whole scene because it's not just it's not just that the movie starts with the rape it's the tone like um her the, tone it's her, it's her tone it's the tone of the film itself it's the stuffed animal wobbling like are we supposed to laugh at this stuffed animal that's rocking it's him like puking on her back um but at the same time the look on her face that he freeze frames very deliberately is so it's excruciating. I mean, like, uh, like you're like, you, you, you certainly feel empathy looking at that expression on her face. So it's, it's a, it's an absurd and awful and difficult scene. And it's, again, it's, a, it's just a hell of a way to start a movie. I always knew it was going to be like this. That's the last line of that before the freeze frame, which is like, God, that is dark. Could it be much darker than that? Yeah, <laughs> it was originally. And they had to cut it because originally they had just a shot of vomit just going all over, just drenching her. And they had to but cut I'm it. saying that wow. in that line, I always knew it would be like this. That's it's fucking tough. bleak as fuck. So bleak. Um, she's incredibly. being raped and puked on and being treated like she's not a human being. So that's, is that, I mean, self-esteem I mean, issue i don't know there's a lot going on there that i could look at but this is honestly that like part of this movie is kind of why i've been thinking about expectations in part uh to get back to what i was saying earlier like there's a there's a lot in this movie about expectations and actually these people's expectations are usually flipped like you know like they, they're expecting the worst which i think yeah. our generation and the generations behind us can really relate to and i think that's why that i think that's one of the reasons why it spoke to us you know to a, to a lot of us yeah is this i mean this was written for gen x but it was set in the time of like our age, you know, yeah. like we would have been in college. Brad Easton Ellis wrote the book in what, 87, I think it came out. And then it's, and then it was, yeah, filmed and, or yeah, released in 2002. Um, yeah. And, and, and as you said earlier, Eric, uh, I think Eric, it was, it was directed, it was targeted at like a, you know, our age audience, college age audience. And, and, and for whatever flaws um, it, we received it, we liked it or the three of us did at the time. That's true. I was, I was watching this. I'm like, does this take place? Uh, what can we look at here that lets us know this takes place in 2002? Because it has this weird timelessness uh, about it. I appreciate it's the rapture. Well, the car is brand new. I don't know. No, the the band, the rapture. That's it. <laughs> I kind of thought that maybe that's not what they were actually listening to, but it's maybe just because what they put on the soundtrack to make it more interesting. I couldn't tell if they were. Overlings. Yeah, which leads to there's no black people in this movie either. There's really no, there's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worse just, than that. It's worse than that. It's it, way it, worse. Yeah, go there, ahead, there, Travis. There, there are people of color in this movie, but they're only drug dealers. And they're in the football scene, which is oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're either they're either drug dealers or, or like gang rapers, yep. or football players, right. or both. Which uh, you know, I was like watching um, uh, Saint Elmo's Fire. I'm like, oh, the the one black person is a prostitute. They really nailed it here. Wait, great job. 
uh, yeah. Joel Schumacher. This is this is sarcasm for the record. Um, I was disgusted by that, but uh, yeah. Then I watched Rules of Attack, and I'm like, "Fuck, man, come on!" And they, and, and Mr. Yeah, Comes Not Review even has his terrible Jamaican accent. Yeah, uh, he's got to be a, a bumba clout. And like, come yeah, on, yeah, really? yeah. I, I I do like <laughs> I do like the character that uh, Clifton uh, Collins Jr. Yes, thank you, Clifton Collins Jr. Plays some of the best, it, some of the best stuff in the movie. Some of the best stuff yeah. in the movie. I agree. It is. I, it's, so, like, has, it's almost like a, right it's, here. A, it's almost like an effort in compartmentalization, it, it, which I actually think it's like a bigger kind of uh, study on how we can go about our day, see something terrible or feel something terrible, but then have to move on from it and continue forward. Because this movie is giving you the worst shit possible. It's like, I have to turn this off almost in a sense. But then you keep going and you watch it and then you're like, I'm laughing and I'm loving this performance from Clifton Collins Jr. now. And like, it's re it's really interesting. I don't know if that was an intention on the part of Audrey Avery and the whole crew or not, but it's it's something I thought about recently. I also really love that. Like ordinarily, I, I despise when, when characters are looking into the camera like I hate. that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is fantastic like collins is um like it's one of the best performances of his career when he brings the gun up into it it's yeah, like it's like, not it's really good yeah yeah and he's marching back and forth and he's so menacing and like and like and i know why avery's doing it so that because like he doesn't do the same thing like on vanderbeek's we don't see vanderbeek isn't looking talking to the camera we're getting vanderbeek's like direct perspective and it's scary like it really works um, yeah. yeah, we get the side view. He's like, "Hey, man, I had to sell the farm to get here, man." <laughs> he fucking did it. It's like a parade of lies, <laughs> right? Massive. Yeah, there's the lies in this film coming, 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 coming at you nonstop. And there's also the Bateman connection. Do we? Does this movie get a pass, or would people like it more because of American Psycho specifically? Because it has a Bateman character who is pretty much his brother, Patrick Bateman and Sean Bateman. They're supposed to be brothers, right? Right. It is. I, I, but it's. Just in case it wasn't clear to other people, it is the truth. And American yeah. Psycho, like you said, Eric, was a huge hit. We all loved it. It was a great movie, and it was completely different than this film. It showed some awful shit, but it seemed – it's just a difference. We don't have time to talk about that. But my point <laughs> being is I wonder if American Psycho's success gave this movie a lift because it had a Bateman character, which got people to go to see this who wouldn't see it because they liked American Psycho. And like, oh, Bateman's in this? Is there like a connection? Are we going to see Patrick Bateman in this at some point? I, I honestly don't think that really came into play. And I do, honestly, in all honesty, I don't really like the fact that they're brothers. For me, we've got Sean, who describes himself as an emotional vampire, and you have clearly Patrick Bateman, who is one. It dilutes either one or both of the characters, in my opinion, if you have siblings that are kind of fucked up like that. But that's just me. That's interesting. I, I, I got two points there. One that um, I find it interesting that he calls himself an emotional vampire because he does that right after he's rejected. And so it's very much like this defense mechanism, like, oh, I am a predator. I am an alpha male. But like, really, it's like, oh, dude, you're just really fucking sad. Um, <laughs> and I, I actually sat down today and watched the four-minute cameo of Casper Van Dien playing the role of, of uh, Patrick. Okay. And have you seen it? I was interested. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I've seen it on you YouTube, guys, but I didn't click on it. I, I actually think it should have been in the movie. Oh. I think I think he did a good job. I think he was well cast, and it makes perfect sense because for one, there's all kinds of asides in this movie. Paul's whole thing with his mother, that whole bit, which is our favorite scene in the movie, does not belong in the movie at all. There's no fucking purpose to that scene. No. Um, but there would be, it, it would make sense for him to call his brother 
and be or at least some family member and they explain in the movie that like he's like his caretaker and that he's rich to ask for money because he's trying to get money so it actually really kind of made sense for it to be in there yeah. um but understand I, I also understand them taking it out because i think that people probably would have been like what the fuck casper van Dien? Yeah. <laughs> steve says james vanderbleek <laughs> just like uh chloris clorox bleachman steve i don't know if you caught that one earlier clorox bleachman clorox bleachman you're, you're listening to the cinnamonide podcast cinnamonidepod.com and you're watching the live stream thanks for those of you that watch with us appreciate it what about the story with the female who kills herself who loves james vanderbeek so much Another brutal scene Boy. when it comes to the bathtub with the Harry Nielsen, like living is without you. And then it starts to get all droned out and reverbed. And it really, I was affected by the scene in a way that I really I wasn't when I used to watch it when I was younger, because it was almost like you were going along for the ride of her losing the blood from her body and slowly dying. It was almost as like as much as you could feel it without feeling it. I was, I was kind of, I was moved by it. If you're gonna if you're gonna dramatize a, a suicide that awful, I mean, my opinion, it you have to do it like this to make that uh, that emotional impact. Uh, so much of the story is about people that think they know all this stuff about these other people. It turns out they <laughs> they don't know these people at all. That's what the the whole point of the ending of it is. Right, right. We walk. No one's ever much, gonna know anyone. Yeah, right. we we walk around with so much. Like goddamn conviction, especially when we're in our early twenties, that what we do is not going to hurt people and make a profound impact on them. And you can't, you can't take stuff back. It's not until early, later in life. That's why me watching this at forty, I can sit back and be like, I'm enjoying this because I know better. Uh, in the in my early twenties, it was different. I would laugh at this shit, and I would and I would brush off something as horrible as that as that scene is just uh, cool filmmaking. That that scene for me has always been pretty rough you know seeing the rings um seeing the rings get set down one yeah. by one and then the blade you know yeah. um and i i became a harry nilson fan through movies you know through midnight cowboy and, and reservoir mm -hmm. dogs but mm -hmm. this this is the movie that pushed me into like okay i'm i'm buying the album now like i'm, yeah. I'm into harry nilson and i still am i still like his stuff quite a bit oh um, it's a really really well made scene like it's really great um, well, you know, movies have an influence on me, Mike. So I was just trying to make that point. So, <laughs> what anyway. about the instant replay? Oh, though? Um, but uh, watching that sequence, as I said, it's always been hard on me. But watching it last night, I mean, I was, I was, I was curled up in a ball on my couch, like I was literally like watching, like through, like my hands, like this, like just cringing, like through the whole fucking thing, because it just feels physically painful to watch. And it's so sad because you're right, Eric. She doesn't know him at all. She takes her life and doesn't know him even a tiny bit yep that's true and it's a double whammy because you know Shannon Sossaman's character comes right in there after she sees Sean fucking his her roommate oh. who's always fucking everyone and she and never she, would have seen the corpse had she not caught no. them first right yeah it, she, it, you know the way it's set up too is so smooth she's sucking down that beer bottle drops it in the hallway to fuck everything everything's going good and then in a minute two minutes her life is turned upside down completely because she has no clue she thought she had a clue like you said eric then she has no clue but what what i want to talk about real quick is the instant replay that we why do we have to see that like do we really need the this isn't a sporting event you know where they show like oh there she was she was always there oh, leading always, up to the suicide yeah, like jarring it doesn't work 
Yeah, why are I mean there she is, she was in the cafeteria. There she was at the party by the I fire. Just hear the, I could just hear the studio exec being like, No one's gonna know who she is. No one no one's gonna know who the, who she is. There's all yeah. these actors, yeah. characters in the movie, no one's gonna know who she is. So I, I do think maybe something kind of needed to be done there, but it's a little overdone, but a little indulgent. I think I think and clearly Avery is inspired by a lot of people. He'll he uses he rips off the Palma split screen, he takes cinema variety from the Kip Pardue Victor scene, and I think he's borrowing this Godard shit. For that specifically, that montage business, just to kind of, you know, show his shit a little bit. But I, Victor, I the Victor scene's cool though. I don't even if it's a montage. There's always montages to other directors and movies and stuff. He's just. I'm, I've tried to make sure I could hear every single word he said this time when I watched it, <laughs> and I did. I think I got every word he said. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole hour and a half cut of that. Uh, oh, is it? Of which I'm not going to sit down and watch. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I will say that. Um, for a long time, if, if anyone asked me, like, hey, what, what's one of your favorite lines from a movie? I would say, I no longer know who I am, and I feel like the ghost of a total stranger. And I still feel that way. It's such – I mean, it's obviously Ellis's line, but it's such a good line. It is. And completely. you can't sell that line without showing you 70 hours of footage condensed into yeah. four minutes. Yeah, well put. Yeah, that's true. Yep. It does a great job. He he gives you Europe in 10 minutes. Boom, bing, 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 bing. All these experiences. Well, oh, I, I I read this interview with Roger Avery talking about doing that, right? So he, he him and Kit Perdue and a, and a line producer so, so we could get like uh, release forms. The three of them went to Europe together and Kit Perdue stayed in character the whole time. And they would just go to like parties and stuff. And then women would come up to, you know, the American with a film crew. And they would sign the, the things, you know, the release forms. And then they would go back to the the hotel and Purdue would fuck him and <laughs> Avery would film it. And he's like, in, in his interview, he's like, you know, I, I would film it and, and question my ethical choices here <laughs> over and over again. The whole, the whole time you were in Europe, you questioned your choices over. Okay. So that's, those are not actors is basically what I learned from that interview. Maybe he questioned it on the ride home in the end. <laughs> yeah, he questioned it during the interview process as he realized that he was being recorded. <laughs> oh shit. Is this hey, you're the media? Oh yeah, you can't let Kip or do off the hook either. Come on, staying in character, you're the character. It doesn't go the other way after seventy hours of that shit. And there's supposed to be a, another movie that's uh, featuring Kip Purdue and yeah. Victor again. It's supposed to like it's supposed to be another movie. Um. So who's the biggest scumbag in this whole movie then? Eric Stoltz. <laughs> that's uh, a quick answer and pro and probably the right answer. A professor who's at every party. This is isn't that absurd though. Like this is I what I wondered, so Travis. Yeah, this is what I wondered. I thought I thought about you too. I really did. And I was like, not that you would do this, but no, like, he didn't, I, Mike. <laughs> I know that. I'm just thinking. I thought about how absurd it was to be on a major. This is supposed to be like Ithaca University or, or a major college. Oh, it's supposed to be Cornell or something. Or, absurd. Yeah, it's supposed it's to be never happened. This, there's there's professors who have had sex with students. Okay, that has happened. Yeah, right. but, but a professor who's always at every party and he's the fucking hit. He's, he's, he's smoking <laughs> joints in the classroom with yeah. a open yeah. booze bottle. Like it's so fucking. He's out cold. Yeah. This this movie movies like this is is the reason why every girl I've ever dated been like, don't fuck your undergrads. And like I'm like I'm not gonna fuck my undergrad. <laughs> no one fucks their undergrads. No one. It's it, like no one's doing this. Like yeah. I've, I've been in, I've been in so many university settings for so many years. 
I have never once heard of a student to teacher relationship, not even a student to grad a grad student to teacher relationship. Like it's, I, mean, I, I know it does happen, but the but the fucking trope, like this this character, oh, with the most convincing Irish accent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a married man. Oh, for a Hummer, sure. Oh, I mean, the, come on. So unnecessary. Yeah, so that's like that character I hate, that accent I hate. He's he's always been, I think, the weakest part of the movies to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of now. I think Ellis writes this when he's like 22. He's all into the postmodern condition. He's full of shit. That's more bullshit nihilism he's trying to shove down our throat. He's trying to cast a blame to every adult for being fucking totally evil when he doesn't done his fucking homework. Fuck that. That's true. Uh, is it the worst part of the movie? Mm, no, 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 it's I think it's one of the worst characters. Yeah. Who, who, he's he, definitely he, in the running. But, but in the, the end. I don't. I think there's a several ties here. I really do. I mean, the, I'm talking the main characters. I mean, the townie who rapes her is obviously an evil motherfucker. So, but he's, I'm talking main characters and, and the we, video guy too. He's he's a shit. Of course. Oh yeah, yeah. You look like Clara Bow. Fuck you. Eat shit. I am more interested in like our main characters because they all, like you said, Eric, they don't have a clue. They think they have a clue. The conviction, but they don't fucking get it. None of them get it. Nobody knows anybody. I mean. It's arguable that Paul is the worst. He beats off. That's a violation. He beats off in front of that. He really does do that to Sean Bateman's character. He doesn't do the dream sequence, but he jacks off in front of him. Well, that's, that's, okay. Not, that's not okay. But Sean Bateman punches a woman in the face because she says something he doesn't like. Isn't that <laughs> worse? Very true, Michael. It's not. No, it's not just what she says. It's what she did. And she says as well, whatever. But he punches a woman in the face. So, I mean, I know. You know what? I'm going to pick a worse. And he he drags Mitch to this fucked up situation with oh, drug yeah, dealers. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean, like, I, but at the same time, I'm, I'm I'm a little loath. I mean, again, like he punches a woman in the face. Unforgivable. But I'm a little loath to say that he's the worst of them um, or even to really choose a worst of them. Because if we're if we're looking at these people that are playing like 20 year olds, right? Um, and we're going to judge them for being self-absorbed, narcissistic, and not the best people around. Like, I don't know. I've known a lot of people around that age, and I was like that. I'm not saying everybody that age is a narcissist, but I mean, it's a it's a, it is a time of, it's a time of self-absorption, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a time when yeah. everyone's going to be their most self-absorbed in their life. So I, I, I think I think that I, if I can make my one last point, I do get the feeling from the ending of the movie that lessons are learned and that um, there might actually be some improvements in character made. Oh, self-absorption is universal to these characters, and it should be. They're twenty-year-olds. We all were. I agree completely with that. But the <laughs> fact that all of these people they do evil things. I, I actually I didn't even want to make this case, but. Jessica Biel's character is an evil, evil I would probably bitch. say she could possibly be the worst. I mean, she's fucking over every single person that surrounds her for yes. for, for nothing, like, yeah. for, for nothing <laughs> and knowingly. And it's not it, it's it's not the type of like solipsism that everyone else is clearly suffering from, and I don't blame them for it. No, but she's a total void. Fucking evil. Yeah. And she, the fact that she she ends up being the senator wife and has four kids, you know, I just kind of goes time. to show that this I love, it's an Animal House tribute in a way, you know, to, in my thing. That's how I see it, because that's what they say at the end. Animal House, you know, uh, Bluto, whatever the fuck, Bluto becomes a senator. And, he, you know, I thought of that immediately. But my point being is that she doesn't deserve to be punched. I don't condone violence against women ever. If you know who I am, you know that. I shouldn't even have to say it I out don't loud. know, Mike. You're yeah, suspect. Uh, <laughs> Dancing Mike, it's over. The final <sighs> I've been out it. No, but. 
No, she, you're, she, right. she's she, very calculating. She has to be held accountable in some way beyond violence for her cruelty. And that is not fair, but I am I don't I'm not a fan of her at all. And, and Victor is a void of epic proportions too. He might oh, yeah? be the worst. Score some hot poon. He's like the biggest bro, bro. Like he's I used to laugh. I used to laugh oh. when he said when he said that line. Not when he said that line, but when Sean responds, no, you know, uh, we're we're in love. And he's like, No, yeah, it's about good times and connection. Oh, no. <laughs> I used to laugh at that line. It was funny, but now it's like he's God. such a gross bagger. He's, he's yeah. so yeah. There's a lot, I mean, and right behind me, Fred Savage's cameo. There's great cameos in this movie. Uh, Fred Savage and Paul Williams as the doctor when they Paul take Jay. Oh, oh, I didn't know who that was until this viewing. I and I googled it. I'm like, holy fuck, the guy who wrote Rainbow Connection, yeah, <laughs> yeah. legendary songwriter. Yeah, it was fucking great. I he's so he was always the one who stole the show for me in this movie, even when I used to watch it when I was younger. I must insist That's you like bring back your corpse so we can do some more tests. <laughs> That's when I thought again. I'm like, I laughed at that more than almost anything because it's an older guy uh, experiencing and commenting on the behavior of these little fucks. Yeah, it's like, kind of a thing. Like these yeah. people are self-absorbed and young and clueless. He's older. He knows that about them. So he doesn't give them any respect and dismisses them entirely. Yeah, that's why I didn't care for it for the same reason that I didn't care for um, – for for um, Eric Stoltz's character, it's, it's absurd. The idea of a of, <laughs> of a doctor being so sick of overdosing, overdosing suicidal teens that he's just like, "Fuck you, get out of here!" Like, no, no, he would not do that. Like, yeah. no, even even a drunk, shitty, amoral doctor is gonna put him up <laughs> on the fucking chair or on the, on the you know whatever, wheel him in there and like do something. He's, he's semi <laughs> it's just completely absurd. But my nurse walks by. I'm on my break. break. Yeah, that's again. That's like Eric said. The nihilism right. is just floating through right. this film. But but Fred Savage. I hadn't seen Fred Savage when this movie came out in a while. No one. Know, had. Rock, no man. one had. Rock, right. And, and this. You kind of asshole that'll watch Doctor Caligari on mute just because he thinks he knows everything about. I can feel my dick. I can feel my dick. It's so good. It's so good. Between it's it's dick dick scene and Fred. Those are the two funniest scenes with Clifton Collins mix. And all three of those are great. They're funny. You can have a laugh in this film, which is why it's so bizarre to me. That's why I get so confused. Yeah. It's oddly compelling, Travis. Because it's and, oddly funny. It's an oddly hilarious movie. And, and you do find yourself laughing at scenes like you're obviously not laughing like at the suicide, but like this junkie shooting up between his toes. Like it's <laughs> actually fucking hilarious. And I, I really respect a Avery's casting calls here. I mean, he, casting casting Fred Savage in this role, casting Williams in the doctor role. We were just talking to casting Vanderbeek, uh, like America's sweetheart uh, <laughs> as the most just like vicious and vile individual to, to see these actors and the work that they're doing and be like, I, I, they, they can do a mirror image of that. Um, I, I really bold casting. It really paid off. And the narration feels like a book, but done well too, especially with Vanderbeek's character when he, when he's having sex and he's talking about, you know, it, it's really graphic and, but honest and true. And it feels like it's not forced. It's a very, it's a very rare moment where a book can feel like a movie and a book, movie can feel like a book and it makes sense and it meld together for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of its greatest strengths is it's never boring. And you can't say it's really hard to say that about almost any movie where you kind of want to take a bathroom break or grab a snack. 
there's always something in every single scene that's going to elicit a response from you. Usually yeah. it's like five, six, seven, eight different responses as the movie goes on. But tell me one movie that, that's like that you can think of right off the bat. Not me. I wanted, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to mention Roger Avery, though, because he does great work. He always did. But then his life fell apart, right? Apparently this like yeah. DUI uh, auto accident killed someone. Yeah. And... No, Is that, where, that what happened to him? Yeah. yeah. You know more about this, Eric? You know what I'm talking about? So uh, he's involved in a drunk driving incident where an uh, uh, innocent passenger passed away, unfortunately, that was in a, a corresponding vehicle. Um, yeah, a tough row. He complained on Twitter about his like uh, his like temporary housing because he didn't have to go to jail because he was in like a work farm. He even yeah. complained about the work farm, so they sent his ass back to jail because he was publicly talking about his distaste for it. But he comes back, and he is in some of the – his his the work that he did he writes the screenplay for uh fuck man if you got it up bring it up because I I blew it he just does some puzzling follow up work and this is a really talented filmmaker who yeah really made a mistake but is he getting yeah he did a movie prison for life uh, gl like you said Glitterati which Lucky was Lucky just day? a continuation of this Lucky Day yeah really? never heard of it next. Lucky Day has a hell of a cast, though, man. It's got Luke Bracey, Who? Crispin Glover, yeah, <laughs> Nina Dobrev, Clay yeah. Bennett. It's got oh. Clifton Collins. Hey! Clifton Collins Jr. All right, all right. So a bunch of nobodies and Clifton Collins Jr. Who is not me, Eric? There's nothing. He doesn't do anything really. It's just right. over. Uh, he wrote hey. Beowulf in <laughs> 2007. He wrote Silent I Hill in 2006. Know fucking shitty video game horror adaptation and yeah. what the fuck that's why i'm laughing well yeah. his life went off the rails and now maybe he got also i'm not saying i have no proof of this but maybe people didn't want to work with him anymore either because the way yeah. he was he was adamant about how what a big dick he was the things he said about being in jail and twitter and being in this housing fuck that guy you fucking killed someone in a car accident whether you meant to or not you have to be held responsible i don't give a shit if you're a hollywood director at the, at the very least you could refrain from publicly complaining about the fact that you're not in prison yeah. <laughs> yeah so anybody out there who's feeling like god i really wish we had more roger avery stuff we were kind of robbed fuck that this guy i think he kind of made his own bed and i don't really feel that bad for him but he did do some great work once upon a time maybe there'll be a who knows maybe he'll just show up in the 2020s and with a comeback you never know hollywood well comebacks. there's supposed to be the brett another brett easton ellis novel that uh, he's working on like i said it's supposed i would to love to see I would watch it. I definitely would. I would be curious to see it. But it, in the end, yeah, I'd watch you know, it. In the end, we uh we gotta make a decision on this film, which has been very oh, there's still so much to say. <laughs> I do, I, I, I do. Vander beating what's that Vander beating off? Did we talk about that? Uh <laughs> no, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about him playing Anna Begins either. So Did we talk about Rusty Pipes? Well, no, we, we didn't talk about Rusty Pipes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I know we can talk about this movie for hours. We can talk about every movie for hours. But speaking of where are they now? I tried to figure out what's going on with this guy, Kip Pardue, who plays Victor in a way that yeah. I enjoyed. Uh, he appears in a, a Christmas movie about a dog and he's not on the cover box, but the dog is billed on the cover box and not Kip Pardue. So actually Jay, you know, Jay Baruchel is one of the bigger stars out of this movie. Now. Yeah, go figure. Ooh, I mean, he's probably. I mean, even Shannon Sossaman, who oh, we all love. Oh my god! god. Does she have a shit agent? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But why like, isn't she not in every movie? She's Kate Bosworth blew up, but then yeah. she did Superman. Uh, 
you know, yeah. the movie and that went down the tubes. So, but Sossaman is such a capable actor. I mean, really, really genuinely talented, yeah. and one of the most beautiful women I think I've ever seen on screen. My life, and, and like, <laughs> truly. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I've never really understood why she didn't take off more than she did. Oh, Kip Pardue was a. I knew him most before I saw this movie for Remember the Titans. He plays Sunshine Ronnie Bass in the Remember the Titans uh, as a gay football player, apparently, which which is not as also very very ambiguous. But that's it. That's I don't really remember. On the, on the subject of gayness, I I do want to get back to um, Russell Sam's character Dick real quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that that. Richard. I think it's really cool that um, in 2002 that that all of us, all dudes, um, whether you know, at least people that like this movie, um, that we had a like really cool gay role model. You know, like I mean, there wasn't a lot of those at the time, uh, uh, like a, a gay character that we could look at and be like, that dude's manly as fuck. And he is. I mean, he's singing Faith and he's and he's talking about Paul blowing him. And he's, he's like, happy. he's macho as shit. <laughs> and, and like, he's so cool. Um, yeah. so I, I, I really uh, respect and respond well to that still, even though Russell Sam's like, there's no, I don't think there's any actual gay people playing yeah. gay people in this movie, but, um, uh. but still there, but, but there is like, uh, and, and like, there's other parts like, you know, like, like Paul fucking hitting on every straight dude. I'm like, come on, man. Like, <sighs> oh, this is not good. Now, is not wait, good. wait, 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 wait. What's the deal there between him and Mitchell? So was Mitchell gay? No, that's, that's what, I mean, like he harasses Mitchell, which is like a, a trope that I don't like. You know? No, but she like when yeah when they're at that party though the girls like come on back with us which kind of implies that there was like she would do a threesome or that Mitchell would be interested she, in it. She'd be I, down with a threesome, but but like she doesn't know that Paul's gay because Paul is still like is like he's he's written like a, a lot of like uh, I don't I get him as gay in the movie, but a bunch of yeah. descriptions call him bisexual. But but you do get a sense that like he was like living a straight life previously and then came out i so, love the beginning of his career too so. oh yeah yeah he's, he's good at this and uh our favorite movie life is a house right back to back to start yeah, off yeah, that's a great bad. career starter yeah, yeah um, i mean that's i like the i i can dig the paul he's like a little glam cat in heat the entire time i think the one scene they should have excised is the fantasy scene because other than that i kind of get the point that paul just wants a, a legitimate connection with someone as opposed to a more uh, dangerously promiscuous one. I don't know. No. He likes know. Sean because he's slutty. Yeah, that's what he says. I don't know how dangerous it oh, is. but STDs all over the place. It's definitely dangerous. It is still very, I mean, it's very based in sex, but that's okay. I mean, that's like yeah. what they're all interested in, even the virgin. They all want to be tortured. He wants to be tortured as much as anybody else because he I just want to know I mean, you. He, when he calls him on the phone, rock and roll, and he hangs up on him. I mean, get a fucking hint, dude. This guy <laughs> could get a fuck about you. Quesadilla? What'd it's you a, say? Yeah. That's true. Like it's it's, yeah. it's kind of tragic to the extent to which he like clearly like takes himself out on a limb to interpret yes. this in the most generous of, of, of ways. While uh Sean is just like robbing him of CDs. And just like using this for weed, but then like he drives him to the, like it blows my he mind. Does he take him to the bus. He, yeah. drives the, he drives to the bus and then watches the bus drive off. But I'm while, like, but then they give us his thoughts. Yeah, he's, he's not thinking, thinking about. about right. he's thinking about I think the point. Here. I think the point is, if a relative stranger asks you to go for a quesadilla the next day, are you going to agree to this date or? Are you well, is it, you buying? You're buying. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that was the seller right there. It has like, to be uh, an exploitation here to be taken advantage of, of course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fuck. Look, come on. Let's cut the shit. It's time to make a decision on oh. this one. Who's going first this week? Uh, I picked the movie, so 
Does that I mean haven't gone first in a while. Mean? I'll do it. All right, go ahead, Travis. Go first. I've done it. Um, so I, I like like I said at the start of this, I fully expected, um, and you know, I went in being like, this is just simply not going to hold up for me. This is not going to live up to the expectations. You know, it's not, or it's not going to live up to what I what it was for me before, um, because I, as I made clear. For worse, not for better or for worse, but simply for worse, I internalized this movie in some ways, and uh, and and maybe wasn't as critical of it as I <laughs> should have been. But it's for those reasons that, and on this viewing, that um, it felt um, almost cathartic. It felt like a, a it felt like a moving forward moment in my life to look back on it and be like. I uh, I don't hate these characters. I, they're not fun to be around, but I they're, like they're 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 awful, but they're human. And um, I also don't love these characters. I don't want to emulate any of them anymore, even remotely. <laughs> and like I can kind of like feel bad for most of them because they're ignorant and like you know um, lost. Um, and most of all, I would like to talk briefly about the ending since we haven't done that. The, this is on this viewing. It never really came clear to me before. All the times I've watched this movie over and over before, I never really grasped the significance somehow of the fact that he sets the bottle down and walks away at the end. Really? And yeah. I mean, like I, I was like, I, I kind of like, I understood it, but that like, you know, so, all right. So he doesn't end up going with Kate Bosworth. He doesn't, doesn't end up having that whole night. Okay. But what I didn't grasp or what may, and maybe that's not true. Maybe this is uh, interpretive for me, but like, somehow his actions seem to have affected Paul and Lauren too. Cause I feel like they just end up having a cigarette on the porch and then walking home. And so like, there's this whole oh! thing going on in this movie about the way that our lives can impact others and maybe in ways that are like almost cosmic uh, and, and in ways that um, are not even directly related to our actions against them. It could be something uh, even more um, eph ephemeral than that. So I ended up thinking about this movie a lot more as I watched it than I thought I would. I ended up being a lot more entertained by it than I thought I would. There were cringy moments. There are definitely parts about this movie where I'm like, yuck. Um, but my God, this movie holds up and it holds up pretty fucking well. There it is. That's beautifully stated by the legendary Travis Roy. Eric, you want to go next? In a lot of ways, this age, this, this film is aged so well that it's i mean it's, it's it's almost better than it should be considering some of the atrocious content you have in it um uh for me this is one of the best films of the 20 2000s for me i dreaded having to watch this you saw me last week i was like oh fuck i can't do that I just started thinking about all the i thought you were gonna hate it i thought i was gonna hate it because i would i, I was scared of it because i don't want to look back at who I was when I was in my early 20s in a lot of ways. It's a person that made a lot of mistakes that I can't take back. Uh, so so I was, you know, worried about revisiting that time in my life. Um, I think it says a lot of positive things about how we need to keep in mind that what we do affects people in profound ways. And not, like I said, not just people that we know, but it can affect people that we don't even know or think that know us. There's so much there. Uh, it's beautifully filmed. The acting is is so natural that you don't even stop to think you're watching actors. You don't do the IMD deep 
dish deep serve until after the movie because you're so into it. It's never boring. It provokes the shit out of you. Only scene I think you could have tossed out was the drug deal, like rave when they go to the dude's house. That I think you could toss out. Other than that, this is a goddamn near perfect movie for me. And I, I think it's way ahead of its time. I think it's fucking amazing. Holds up completely. Well, then, uh, my point is moot, uh, which is good, though, because you guys already supported it. I'm, uh, I came into this movie kind of like you did, Travis. I assumed I would shit on it and be like, you know, I'm way past this now, and, you know, I'm growing up. And the things that happen to this film are abhorrent, and I could never condone them by saying this film holds up no matter what. Yeah. But that's not the case because of the point I made earlier, too, I alluded to of this compartmentalization and we have awful things that happen to us, but we have to keep going. Although the movie has a suicide, you can give up, but I don't want to go that route. It's awful. And and I feel so bad for her because what you mentioned, the fact that she doesn't know someone and she gives up on her own life for so little amount of knowledge of understanding her own situation. So life is fucking tough. Life sucks a big one. Sometimes it sucks. The biggest of, Biggest awfulness, the devil's anus it can be at sometimes. And um, but yet you can have some laughs and you can find some some goodies and some nuggets that are mixed in there in between. That's cool. Uh fucking terrible shit happens. We're living our life right now, doing a nice podcast, enjoying ourselves. Yep. Right now, there's probably some abhorrent shit happening in the world. People are yep. being slaughtered and murdered. It we're trying to ignore it. This movie doesn't let you ignore things necessarily, it gives it to you straight. And you can choose to ignore it, or you can continue to... You can be like, wow, this fucking happens, and that sucks. And I, I recognize it, and maybe I'll try to do better in my own life of being having a recognition of this shit, but I'm going to keep watching. So I hadn't really looked at it like that till we did this pod, and I watched it again because it had been many, many years. So this movie holds up because I think it has a message, although it may be very convoluted. You might have to watch it a few times if you've never seen it before to maybe get to where we're at on this. So, Wow, we all we all feel like it holds up. and uh, I did I, not expect I, that. I kind of felt like wow. we would all be in agreement one way or the other, but I thought we would... I thought we were all yeah. on it. <laughs> so, all right. Well. well, that's why we do this show, man. We never yeah. know what's going to happen. And there it is. Did you guys disagree with us are we out to lunch have we lost our minds cinnamon ipod at protonmail.com cinnamon ipod on our yes. facebook page we always got travis's movies he's watching and we post what's coming up for our next shows if you want to have any clue what's going on with our show go to the facebook page that's probably the most informative up-to-date moments and then our instagram has film reviews and always guys five star review on apple podcast if you really do like the show just take a moment i i did this the other night i went on apple podcast and i rated like eight pods i like five stars i just did a quick review I made a conscious effort to do it because it can help expose yeah. the pods you like to a bigger audience and to more people. And we can talk about different movie perspectives with other people we've never known before. So we would welcome that very much. That's it. Uh, Travis, Eric, who wants to announce next week's pick from the listener uh, event? Go for um, it, buddy. All right. Um, yeah. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for, for playing along. Uh, Chris, Sherry, Jess, Fern, everybody uh, for, for, for playing along with the game. Um, it came down to either heat or falling down and, wow. uh, you know, Jesus. I never thought we would ever do heat on this show. And ultimately it's a good thing that we're doing falling down because if we did heat, it would just be, this is the best movie ever for two hours <laughs> straight. Um, falling down, I think is one that, uh, that, uh, we, uh, 
we now I, I think Mike, you've watched it recently, right? I feel like I, yeah, I said that about two months ago. Yeah, so I knew one of us watched it recently. So, and we talked about it then, and I think that we've kind of all recognized at that point that there was one that probably needed to end up on the show at some point. So I'm glad that it, it won the game, and uh, that is our choice for next week. So go ahead and give that a viewing. It will be the third movie that we do starring Mr. Michael Douglas. There it is. Joel Schumacher. Dave? Joel Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Duvall. Hey man, it's gonna be a good one. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Lake Havasu. Next week we will be here talking about falling down. And Derek Fern's very excited as we end the show. Yay! Woohoo! Yippee! Thanks, Derek. All right, uh, we'll see you guys next week for the falling down episode. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, your comments, suggestions, and your communication and efforts is always welcome. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Rock and roll. It's good.